talking to some of the best names in contemporary Christian music. This is the Hope FM Artist Interview. And welcome to the Artist Interview, a podcast from Hope FM. I'm your host, Gordon T. I have the absolute pleasure of talking to some of the biggest names in the world of contemporary Christian music. And today we've got for you an artist called Brandon Murphy. Uh, he's got some great music and some stories to tell. He's gonna, one of the stories I love that he shares is actually how, how he met his wife. So, but he talks about everything from university days, from struggles of his faith, uh, and also talking about the fact he's gonna go on to adopt um, a, a child soon. Lots of stuff to find out about him. Uh, so I hope you enjoy this episode of The Artist Interview. And before we meet Brannon, let's hear a clip from his first track, I Will Wait. And that was I Will Wait by Brennan Murphy. Hey, Brennan, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on. It's, it's an honour to have you on the show and looking forward to hearing all that you've got to share. Um, so uh, many of our listeners will have heard your music. We've been playing it on the station, but they definitely won't know very much about you. It would be lovely if you could help us know a little bit about your history, who you are, how music fits into your life, and, of course, about your faith. Yeah, absolutely. Um this is such a privilege, Gordon. Thanks so much. And to, uh, to all my people in the UK, what's up? Um, this is so cool. I love you guys. I, can't, I, I, want, I would love to come over and tour um, sometime and, and come by and see you in person. That would be, that would be actually, you know, in the world, it's a little safer. You'd be very welcome. People would like that, I'm sure. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. My brother-in-law, actually, and, and his wife, which his wife's family is originally from, from London, from the UK, and um and and uh, my brother or my brother-in-law and, and his wife just uh finished he, he did his doctoral doctorate uh program uh at saint andrews in scotland oh and so um he's an anglican pastor now in, in southern california but um they were just you know right in the neck of the woods there in the last year or two so uh but yeah anyway so i live in north carolina uh north carolina united states I've lived in the South my whole life. I originally grew up in Georgia and, um, and moved to North Carolina after college uh, to lead worship at a church here. I'm still leading worship at that church. It's called the Summit Church in Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina. Um, yeah, I grew up in a really small town in Georgia. Um, so in the, in the South, in the United States, we, we call um, uh, another name for the South is the Bible Belt. So I definitely uh, grew up in the in the Bible Belt, where um, you know I, I I like to say maybe not Christianity, but at least churchianity uh, is is very prevalent. Um, and so grew up going to church in my little town, and uh, like like so many people, and uh, and heard about Jesus. Um, but you know Christianity, which you know. It, I don't feel like many parts of the world really understand this, but uh, Christianity is such a cultural thing. It's just such a acceptable societal. It's a, it's like, you know, part of what makes the South the South. And I feel like it's very unique for any uh, as compared to any other part of the world. So it's, it's, it's kind of weird. Um, everybody thinks they're a Christian, <laughs> but, but that the, you know, 
that's not always the case, of course. So, so for me, I, I kind of grew up going to church and hearing about Jesus. And as I got older and into high school, um, and you know, I, I, I'm just wrestling with like my, my faith and whether or not I actually am a Christian, even though I had been baptized when I was in the sixth grade, because my mom just was like, you know, you're old enough now. So let's, you know, let's do this. Yeah. So I was 12 years old and I, I prayed a prayer and got dunked, but I like to say that I was a wet sinner <laughs> because it was more my mom's decision, you know, than it, than it was my own. It was, um, yeah. you know, I, there, there wasn't faith and repentance, <laughs> uh, from my own heart, you know, tied to that decision. So that kind of goes along with just, you know, Christianity being part of the, part of the culture, part of the, you know, the acceptable uh, thing to do in our culture. And so what you have in the South is a lot of, a lot of people, individuals who struggle with their identity and, and, and their identity in Christ and whether or not they're, you know, um, it's, it, it can be confusing because it's so culturally acceptable. Um, and oftentimes Christianity um, is not biblical, <laughs> you know, in terms of conversion and, and, and um, those who are actually following Jesus. And so I fell right into that. You know, by the time I got to high school, I'm wrestling with who I am when I go to church and then who I am when I'm in school and playing sports and just interacting with my friends. And there was just a complete like, you know, disconnect. Um, just the, the fruit of my life. I didn't know to use those terms back then, but I just kind of lived a confusing life. Um, someone who I think wanted, I, I think I wanted to love God, but I couldn't, uh, I, I, I wasn't obedient to him and, and couldn't be now that I know, now that I understand the scriptures to know why. Um, and so I was the popular kid in school. I kind of did it all. I was, I was valedictorian of my high school. Um, I, you know, started on the baseball team. I, uh, you, you still look pretty sporty. You look like you, you look like you work out my friend. <laughs> well, oh, well I do. I do. I do. I, I try to stay, stay fit. I, I say all the time that I, I only know about, um, I only know anything about uh, about three things, and that's um, Jesus, music, and sports. If you ask me, pretty much any about anything else, I don't know. Those are my things. So that's kind of maintained uh, since since I was a kid. Those are just my 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 loves. At least you know the Jesus part after I got saved. But um, so in high school, like I, I was voted most talented. That was my superlative. You know, we give senior superlatives when you go through your last year of school. And, um, I was voted most talented and it's a picture of me with a microphone cause I was already starting to do music. And so I kind of like had it all. I was friends with every friend group in my school. Um, but inside I knew that there was, there was something, you know, wrong um, there was, a uh, an emptiness between myself and God. And so there were a few things that kind of brought me to Christ. Um, I became a Christian when I was 17 and a couple of years before that I had, um, I had a friend who I, I was in the, the ninth grade, which is your freshman year of high school in the States. My friend was in the eighth grade. So he was just before high school, but he was a football player. Yeah. American football, not soccer. American football. Yeah. So if I say football, obviously living in the United States, I mean, American football, not 
um i know around the world it's it's just football yeah, not, not 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 proper football yeah it's not proper football <laughs> forgive us america for, for trying to um you know steal that away how arrogant of us i would like to, <laughs> i would like to apologize on behalf of the rest of america uh, on behalf of the uk apology accepted okay thank you thank you so much because football is soccer uh and uh and it deserves to be called football all over the world like it is but american football is is really even though the the season is in the fall um in the united states it's a sport that is really played year round and so you're always training and things like that if you're a player so my friend was uh in a summer camp he was doing summer football and um came home from a from a practice on a really hot day it was in in august and collapsed in his kitchen and died in a matter of minutes um he had uh an enlarged heart that was never diagnosed and so literally the way it was described his heart basically exploded uh in his chest and he died in a matter of a matter of minutes and so for me being just a young high school kid and wrestling with everything about faith and identity who i am who god is do i really know him and life and I'm, I'm really just wrestling with the, the hard things the real things about life and now i see my friend in a matter of moments life is taken from him um everything was really put into perspective for me life became um the, the reality of of life and its fragility became um you know very powerful to me in that moment and so that was kind of the thing that made me um, was, was one of the things. And subsequently, um, you know, th those, th those years afterwards that, you know, my freshman year, sophomore, junior year, I, um, just got really started to pay attention, you know, when the gospel was preached at a church service or at a youth camp or, a, some event that I would go to or things like that. And, um, I really think God started to get a hold of my heart and I became, um, I became really scared of to die, honestly. Um, but in that fear of death, I began to deal with my own mortality and, um, and deal with some very real things, uh, the realest of things. Right. And, uh, by my junior year, um, I just began to understand the Holy spirit just allowed me to understand, um, what sin is and why Jesus came and how desperately I needed him. So I, I um, remember driving to my church on a, on a spring day uh, after a baseball practice and I, I just couldn't take it anymore. It was like, I, I just, I have to know that I know Jesus, that I belong to him. I wanna follow him. I, um, I, I, I don't want to, I don't wanna die apart from him. So it was probably fear of death that got me into the kingdom. Um, but, but since then that fear of death has turned into, you know, and in, in an instant turned into eternal life and then abundant life. You know, I, I love this, the progression of that. It was fear of death. And upon repenting of my sin, putting my faith in Jesus on that spring day along, you know, when I was, uh, 17 years old was immediately given eternal life. And since then, I've been walking in abundant life that only Jesus gives, right? It's a great way to describe it. Yeah. So obviously that, you know, that that road has not been easy. I don't I don't think anyone who hears a testimony um, should 
should hear it as, you know, life has gotten easier and this abundant life means that everything goes well for me. Um, it just means that, you know, I get to face every difficulty, every hardship of life, every piece of suffering that every human being faces with God, not only for me and not only over me, but dwelling in me. And that makes all the difference, you know, to be able to, that's what makes, uh, that, that's the abundant life, you know, that, that Jesus offers. It's not a trialless life. It's the fact that he gives himself. And, um, you know, as I walk with him more and more and more, I see that the, the greatest treasure is not God making everything easy and making me rich materialistically, but um, the fact that he gave me himself and um, that's everything that I, that I need. And so I, I, my, at 17 years old, I was getting ready to enter my senior year of high school and that just kind of launched me. My, my uh, graduation and then my college years were very different than a lot of people's, you know, we all have like college stories on my college story kind of like, I, I had just gotten saved. And so I'm just, you know, falling in love with Jesus. And, um, you know, my, my, my university years were marked by discipleship and intense, um, like exponential kind of growth. You know, um, I'm memorizing scripture. I'm, I am writing songs and I know we haven't talked about the music uh, piece very much, but I grew up singing like as one of the first, you know, loves of my life. If you look back at some of the earliest like home videos and stuff, I'm probably singing something, whether it's, you know, a show tune or something like that. So music was always a big part of my life. I grew up singing in, in church that that's, you know, a lot of people, you know, I think, um, people who don't know any better would be surprised to hear how many of your favorite artists began their musical uh, experiences in the church. Um, I would say the vast majority uh, of, of, you know, musicians uh, and singers uh, cut their teeth in, in the church, whether they're Christians or not. <laughs> but um, that was me. I grew up singing, you know, in, in the church and things like that. And, going through school, you know, when we got old enough, I picked up a guitar at 16 and learned some chords with my friends. And we started a band like this garage band, you know, in high school. And when I got saved at 17, I started leading worship for my, my student ministry in our church. And, um, there, you know, it was a small church, so it wasn't, there wasn't a lot of us or anything like that, but going off to university, I, I, I led worship for some campus ministry, you know, organizations that were on, that were, you know, part of our campus life at university and got involved with the church and things like that. So music has not like always marked my life. Um, I had older brothers or I have older brothers, <laughs> but growing up having older brothers, like I was introduced to a lot of different types of music that were before my, my time really. Like I, I was listening to, you know, stuff I probably shouldn't have been listening to as a little kid. Um, so in this wide, diverse palette of music, and then my parents are oldies fans, basically, basically cause they're oldies, um, themselves. But, um, you know, so I, like, I was influenced by all kinds of, you know, whether it was oldies, you know, Motown, grunge or classic rock, hip hop, 
you know, the 90s music really was like a big influence, again, because of my older brothers. Like, I, I listened to so much 90s music before I was really ready for that. And um, the I love the 90s. I think the 90s is like one of the greatest eras, if not the greatest decades of music. So just to ask, if you if you could only have two CDs to listen to in your car for the rest of your life, one secular, one Christian, what are they going to be? Oh, man, that is that is an amazing question. I've never been asked that. I wish I was ready to answer that question. Well, it, it's not going to have anything to do with with early influences. Um, my favorite artist currently, and this is me saying I would, if I could choose one artist's music or one record, I would probably choose one or two different albums from John Bellion. Um, he's my, he's my favorite artist. And, uh, on the Christian side, I, that's, that's really tough. Um, man, that is, that is really, really difficult because I, you know, if it's only one, I probably want to choose, you know, a worship album. So at that point, it's like, who do you who do you choose? <laughs> you haven't got an answer. You, you're gonna have to keep. You're gonna have to keep thinking. That's tough. I, I, I may say, I may say Hillsong just because that you know, they they probably have you know. I I wouldn't want to go without listening to worship music. <laughs> so just to bypass all the other Christian music, I'd probably just say. Some Hillsong worship album, probably. Or Maverick City. I love Maverick City now. Um, Maverick City music is probably up there. Too. Yeah, they're doing some great stuff as well. So, uh, yeah, either of those, I think, would be quite sensible choices. Yeah. But whatever I chose, it'd have to be something that the CD would have to be absolutely full to the last minute. Yeah. It'd be awful if you've got a CD that was only a few songs. Like, that was a bad choice for the rest of my right. life. But, okay. I even thought about, you know, like Justin Timberlake kind of passed passed through my head just because he has some albums that I will listen to all the way through. He's obviously an influence of mine if you've ever listened to any of my music. But um, yeah, that's probably, it, yeah, it would have to be like an, an album that I can listen all the way through. Um, and can you tell us, you, you mentioned about Jesus being sort of like a, a friend, getting to know him as, as king a bit. Can you tell us a little bit about maybe an occasion um, when you're at university where Jesus did something that changed the situation? Oh, yeah. So I actually, my, my first maybe a year and a half or so, somewhere in there, I kind of went through a, um, a, a really serious faith crisis um, because I grew up in, you know, the Bible Belt, Southern United States. There, there wasn't a lot of um, alternative thought, at least, to the existence of God and, you know, um, Christianity being true, things like that. So when I get off to university and I'm a young, I'm a young Christian, I'm a young believer and I'm, you know, growing and I'm hungry for the Lord and things like that. But then I come face to face with, you know, um, professors and, you know, alternate ways of thinking that, you know, maybe there is no God. And um, just, you know, I, I'd, I'd never known any, I'd never known an atheist before. Um, and I know that may sound crazy to some people, but if I did, it, they weren't a professing atheist just because that's the culture that I grew up in. But now I get off to university and there's all these types of thinking and religions and faiths and faith systems and atheism, agnosticism, things like that. And I, I wasn't ready to deal with all of that. And so I um, was really challenged 
And, you know, I, I use the word faith crisis. Like it, it really caused me to question everything about not just my own faith, but does God exist? I mean, maybe they're right, you know, kind of thing. And, and what it did is, you know, it, it really like um, drove me to the scriptures. And that year and a half or so was the time where I really fell in love with God's word. And, um, you know, I want to say too to people, like if you are facing like a season of doubt or a season of questions and even just a season of questioning whether or not God is real, I, like join the club. Like you would, <laughs> you know, you, you join most of humanity and you join a lot of people in the scriptures who wonder where God is and if he is and, and things like that from time to time. So God is not intimidated by our doubts. And I think like he loves to prove to us that his word is true. And so that's what it did for me is as I'm going through this and think like I, I spent, I mean, hours per week, maybe hours per day, um, just reading the Bible and just in a sense saying, okay, God, if you're real, you've got to reveal yourself to me. And that's exactly what happened. Um, I think for me, like Jesus made himself so clear through the, just the power of his word. And, and, you know, the, the, the hinge point, like the sticking point for me, which should be for all people is that, um, is the, the event of the resurrection or the reality of the resurrection. You know, that's, that's really the question is how, how can we know God is real? The thing we should deal with the most is did Jesus resurrect? Did he, did he rise again? Cause if he did, then everything he said and everything he did is ratified, yeah. verified. He got the IG blue check, you know, he's verified, right? And so, you know, looking into, you know, you can look into historical documents, but even 1 Corinthians 15 is, is its own historical document of the just proof of the resurrection and understanding like what the, what the disciples went through after Jesus ascended into heaven. And how could they do that if they, you know, how, how could they willingly give up their lives if, if what they if what they were preaching they knew was a lie, and how do we see that five hundred at one time, you know, um, saw the resurrected Jesus? Now either five hundred people were hallucinating all at the same time and all saw the same thing and all testified to it, or Jesus resurrected and he, you know, appeared to them. So God just really made Himself. Um, he just revealed Himself. He always does. Anyone who ever is. Anyone who ever tests, you know, which we know the scriptures say, don't put your Lord, the Lord your God to the test. But anyone who tests whether or not, you know, the Bible, um, the validity of the Bible, God always passed the test, passes the test. He always reveals himself. And that's what he did for me. So through that faith crisis, my faith actually became stronger than ever. And, you know, through just uh, the assurance of, you know, Christ resurrecting and therefore being able to take every word that he ever said to heart and, and to make it true. I feel like, I mean, he, he changed me. Now I have a heart for um, apologetics, which is, you know, defending the faith. 
and and normally it's defending the faith in in philosophical circles or with uh, in conversations with atheists or agnostics or things like that. Now I'm passionate about those conversations and those meetings, and God puts people like that in my in my path all the time who are either agnostic or atheist, and I'm able to share the scripture with them and meet them where they are, you know, and I, a lot of that is birthed out, you know, came from my own faith crisis in, 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 at university. And so he's like kind of equipped me through that. He, he, he does what he always does, you know, what he always does. He takes something, um, what the enemy meant for evil, God turned it for good, you know, and, um, and that's what he did with me. He flipped that whole scenario where I was freaking out, you know, and, and the Lord was not intimidated at all. He's, he, you know, was just kind of looking down from heaven and saying, I'm going to use this time of suffering in your life to make your faith so strong that you're going to be my instrument to minister to people who have the same questions and, and, um, and who are even opposed to the gospel intellectually. And, um, so I, you know, I wouldn't trade that time of crisis, if you will, for anything in the world because Jesus stepped in and he changed me forever. It's brilliant when God does that, when he gets a hold of people. In fact, yeah. many years ago when I was probably around the same age as you were when you were at uni, I guess, I, I had a, a, a faith crisis of my own. I thought, you know, is this all real? Is it right. is it really real? Is where yeah. I got, got, got to my thinking. And I... It's a strange one. Uh, I wouldn't recommend other people do this, but I decided that I was going to just tell God that this that I needed something to happen. So I said to him, I said, God, if you're real, I want to hear the name Terry Waite tomorrow. Now, Terry Waite, I don't know if you know who he is. He's a, fam- he's a famous person who went over and got taken hostage um, uh, with regards to doing church envoy work in the Middle East. Anyway, okay. this is years and years ago, but I hadn't heard his name for ages and ages and ages at that point um so so probably hadn't heard it in a year i wouldn't have thought anyway so so uh prayed that prayer went to bed woke up in the morning turn on the tv and literally the very first words on the news were terry Waite in lebanon has been and i'm like oh my goodness oh, me you. i was so like <laughs> Thank you, God. So, wow. and it was obviously God. God had obviously. Given, I've got no reason to have chosen Terry Waite, but I, and this is this is going back thirty odd years, and I still remember it because it was so Bro. extraordinary. But um, but it, God obviously. The Lord loves you. He, he does is. love me, and he. <laughs> but he knew he knew that Terry Waite was going to be on the news the next day. He oh, gave man. me the name Terry Waite to choose. I could have chosen anything, but but that was what I chose. It's so great that like you know to hear a story like that because sometimes. And I think that's why it's important to pray specific things because sometimes God acquiesce, you know, like God, he, he loves to answer prayers like that. And sometimes he shows up like that and he just, you know, boosts our faith like that and like solidifies things. But when he doesn't, he's already been kind. Yeah. Yeah. uh, He's given us, he's already, he's already spoken. It's right here. He's proven himself here and he's proven himself in the person of Jesus. And um, I was just reading that I'm t- I, I, earlier, literally just about half an hour ago. Uh, my four-year-old daughter, um, she's beginning to like ask real questions. Like, I can't see God. How do I know that he's real? 
Well, today in my in my just my my scripture reading for today, I'm starting to read the book of John. And in John one, you know, it says that no one has seen, no one has ever seen God, but you know, um, but with the coming of Christ, we you know, that that's the reason that Jesus came was so that the Father would be revealed. And so um right after the portion where, you know, he said the law came through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Um, and it says that little phrase in there, no one has ever seen God, but um, I actually would rather just read it and not butcher it. But I, and I was explaining this to my daughter that it's okay that, you know, you're, you know, wrestling with this really important thought that I've never seen God. How can I know he's real? Um, no one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he, Jesus, has made him known. You know, like, and so I'm explaining to my daughter that, you know, if we see Jesus, we've seen the Father. That's the reason Jesus came, was to, sh to show us that God is real, and this is what he's like. Um, that God is real, and he is in the person of Jesus himself. And um, and we know that because of his word. So if anyone's out there listening, you're wondering, yeah, I just can't see God, or how do I know he's real? You'll never go wrong here. God has given you his, the proof right here. Brandon, Brandon is waving his Bible. For those listeners at home who can't see that Bible that he's passionately holding up, that's what he's recommending that we spend time having a look at Jesus and finding out who he is because he, he reveals. Yeah, I guess I realize you may not see this on video, but yeah, I'm holding up my Bible. Your Bible is the, the Bible is, is, is the proof. It's you know, no one who's ever surveyed the Bible, I think, looking for God, has left not finding him. Now, some of our listeners won't be Christians, and sure. they the Bible's a big old thick book. Um, mm. Some sometimes people think it's a bit dusty, a bit boring, all that sort of thing. Yeah. First, for someone who's maybe not read the Bible much before, if they're trying to find out about God, what book? Because the Bible's split into lots of different books. What book within the Bible would you say they should go for? Yeah, absolutely. That that's such a great question too. And there's a lot of people who would answer that question differently. Um, I think the most important, obviously, the the most important thing that we um, as Christians want to share with the world is Jesus. If we can understand and hear from Jesus, who is the the way, the truth, and the life, no man gets to the Father except for him. If he is the author and the perfecter of our faith, if he's the beginning, if he's the door, like he says he is to God, then let's survey Jesus first and let's see if he's let's see if um observing Jesus is worth the conversation continuing with you and God. So I try to bring people to Jesus first. And I know there's, you know, that's not where the Bible starts. The Bible doesn't start with Jesus. Um, the Bible starts with creation and how we all got here. You know, the, the, the glory of God and the fallenness of man and sin and things like that. And in understanding that part of the story is crucial to you fully understanding Jesus. But I think as an introduction to the Bible, I want to bring people to the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Most of the time, I, I choose John to be the first book that someone reads if they want to have an introduction to the Bible, because in the first chapter of John, you have um, you have a little bit of creation narrative there, and you understand that God created the world through Jesus, you know, and um, and I think just the language of John is so inviting; it's it's so welcoming. You get to 
kind of it's, it's emotive in 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 ways that the some of the other gospels may may not be just in terms of language and um so i i usually say the book of john is a, is a good place to start because you get to you get to look at Jesus's life and you get to hear, um, you know, you get to hear about him with language that is very welcoming and inviting. And I think opens you up to the love of God. There's also popular passages in the book of John that, you know, someone who once they get to John chapter three and they read for God so loved the world who gave, he gave his only son, John three 16. Like, Oh, I've heard that before. I thought Christians were crazy, but I've heard that before. Oh my gosh, it's right here. Like, I think that familiarity, there's some familiar kind of parts of John that, that can also be inviting and not make the Bible seem so overwhelming. So that's the long answer for, I would start with the book of John and, and look at Jesus and, and um, the Psalms are probably a, a good place to, to jump into because the Psalms are, are honest people, namely David, but the, 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 the Psalms are honest yeah, about the struggles and the hard stuff. Yeah, about the struggles, the hard stuff. Like the Psalms pulls, there's no punches pulled in, in the Psalms. You know, you, you there's just an, an intimacy and a love and worship and things like that. And then the very next page, it's God, where are you? Are you even there? My tear, I, I, my tears are my food, like all day long. I'm just, so, God, where are you? And I feel like that's, I think the Psalms like give us a, a uh, a pretty realistic picture of what our lives are actually like, you know, just the messiness of life. You can find it in the Psalms. And I think that connects with people. So those are probably two good places I would say is um, the book of John and, and, and the Psalms just jump in. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that sounds like a recommendation and a half. So, and if you haven't got a Bible, then feel free to get in contact with us here at studio at hopefm.com. Uh, give us your address and we can try and post one out to you. Right. Okay. We've got another track to play from you. Uh, it's called this world is not my home. So can you tell us the backstory to that song? How did it all come about? Yeah. You know, um, timing is everything. Um, this song was, like really birthed out of a tough time for all of us. Um, you know, but personally for me, like when, when this, when this pandemic hit, I was already dealing with a lot of things personally and the Lord really waking me up to a lot of things. I had let um, just my pursuit of, musical greatness and really worldly greatness. Um, I, I let that consume me and I, um, had really, um, hurt a lot of people in the process, namely my wife. Um, we were just starting to have kids, you know, two, a few years ago, which they're, my babies are four and two now, but, um, you know, I, I really came face to face with some hard realities that, you know, pursuing things in this world, the way that the world pursues them, you know, can be, can be dangerous to your soul. And it's just so easy for me. This is what I've kind of been awakened to. I'm, it's just so easy for me to get stuck here. Um, not just stuck with, you know, obviously we're, gravity <laughs> keeps us here, but I'm stuck. My soul gets stuck here with living and just getting into like the routines and pursuing things, whether it be money or success or status or, 
you know, um, it's just really easy to make life about your own individual greatness and, um, and your own comfortability and how easy it is to just be enslaved to doing things the way the world says to do them. And, you know, so this song for me is like just a wake up. Um, again, it was happening in my life. And then when the pandemic hit, I mean, it was really just like, um, I feel like it's now, it was now like God using a megaphone to saying like, hey, you know, I, I know in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And, you know, because I belong to Jesus, I've been set free, not just from sin, but from living um, from living life in a way that will leave me unsatisfied. And, and that's really what this, what this song is about is the way to live in the, in the world, the way that God always intended is to know that it's not our home. That's where freedom is really found is knowing that my, my hope and my, um, my eternity and my ultimate goal is, is heaven is what is being where Jesus is that is the freedom that allows me to truly live in this world um, the way that he always intended. And so it's about being, you know, waking up to that freedom again and remembering who he is, remembering who I am. And, um, you know, it's been a very freeing season for me. I need more than all my eyes have seen So I can live, I can love like it was me And that was This World Is Not My Home by Brandon Murphy. And I'm very pleased to say Brandon is still with us here on Hope FM for the artist interview. Brandon, thanks so much for all you've shared from your heart so far. Uh, it would be wonderful if off the back of that track or, or other things that you've shared so far um, as you've told your story, you'd be happy to pray for our listeners. Oh, I would love to. I would love to. Let's pray. God, I'm, I'm just thankful for um, this moment that we get to share. And I'm thankful for the reality that we get to talk to you. Um, and I know that we have full access to you now and forever, all because of Jesus. And so, um, Father, most of, most of all, first of all, I just want to thank you for Jesus, um, who is the way, the truth, and the life. He is um, the only way to you. And um, God, thank you for the door that is wide open to get to you because of Jesus. Lord, I pray for those who may be listening. God, those who regularly listen to um, to Hope FM and God, those who may just be um, checking it out for the first time, those who may be scanning and stopping um, in, in this moment. Lord, I pray that that you would meet them right where they are and that you would whisper to them or even shout to them in this moment, your love for them. Um, Lord, I know how easy it is just like in my song and just like how I talked about my song on before 
before it was played that it is so easy to get stuck here. It's just so easy to get stuck uh, in life and in, in life on the earth and just how difficult it can be. Thank you, Jesus, that you came to save us. You came to rescue us from our sin. You came to rescue us um, to give us life beyond the grave, to give us life eternally. And most of all, Jesus, I thank you that you came to rescue us from ourselves. I'm thankful, Jesus, that you saved me from my sin, but I'm most thankful that you saved me from me. There's no greater gift that you ever gave me than saving me from me. And um, Lord, I, I pray for maybe for those who just, who need that kind of salvation, who, who maybe are just, you know, coming to the end of, of themselves and feeling like there's, there's just no hope or God who, who need to, to know a better way. I pray that they would hear you saying, I am the way. Trust in me. I pray, Jesus, that, that many would see and fear and put their trust in you, even in this moment, Lord, that they would say, um, Jesus, I need you. And they would know that, that to anyone who calls on your name, you will save. Anyone who knocks on your door, you will open it and, um, and you will welcome them in forever. And so, God, I pray that many would, would just call on your name in this moment. And that, God, you would be their peace. I thank you that you don't just have peace. But Ephesians chapter 2 says that you, you yourself, you are our peace. And so be our peace. God, be our peace in these really difficult days that we live in. God, I'm thankful that this world is not our home. Because, God, that there's, there's um, just so much pain, so much suffering, so much difficulty that we're all facing right now. We're all, we all have our individual suffering, but we're facing suffering collectively, too. And I pray that you would just do such a massive, huge work of bringing us to you and unifying us in you, God, so that we can walk together um, through this, this difficult days, through this COVID pandemic and through all the things that just make life so, so difficult. I thank you that the Psalms tell us that the Lord sits enthroned above the flood, that you sit enthroned over the flood, you sit enthroned as king forever. So whatever it is that anyone's facing as they hear my voice, Jesus, you sit enthroned over it. You know what you're doing. God, I pray that you just tell somebody in this moment that you know what you're doing and it's going to be okay and you're trustworthy. And um, God, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your power. And I thank you for what you're doing in somebody's heart right now, drawing them to Jesus. He truly is the treasure of the entire universe. There's no one like you, Jesus. So we worship you and we thank you for all this. And it's in your beautiful name that we pray, Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Brennan. Uh, and if you're listening at home and maybe you don't currently go to church and you're thinking, oh, well, maybe I should pop along to a church. Why not? There are loads of great churches around the UK that would love to welcome you and help you find out more about God's amazing love. Pop along to www.findachurch.co.uk uh, so you can find something that will be a blessing to you. Right. Um, so... We've heard a little bit about your backstory. Um, we found out you got married and you've got two kids, which is lovely. Yes. How did you meet your wife? Um, so I was playing, uh, I was leading worship actually in California at um, an event there. And um, my my wife happened to, to be there. She was one in the crowd and she actually reached out to me on Facebook afterwards so wait so you, you didn't talk to her at the event no i did we didn't speak 
so, uh, as so she she actually stalks you on the internet right so, well i would love for here to for, i would love for her to hear it and uh and hear it that way yes yeah, she did she did stalk me uh, <laughs> <laughs> so she will tell you and this is the truth this is the truth so she will tell you no we did not talk that night um but she reached out to me on facebook because she wanted to just encourage me and my ministry she's like you know i'm so just so thankful for how you you know her message to me was way more about jesus than it was me you know and um so all that did was you know and i, I had noticed her that night um you know or you know during the event but we never talked so and she was beautiful you know she's just she you know incredibly she just you know blew my mind and um so like hearing her message just made me, you know, <laughs> fall for her even more in that moment. So I made sure to like respond and ask a couple of questions just to see if we could, you know, would this spark like a real conversation. And that went on for two and a half years. <laughs> wow. J yeah. So, just on Facebook. <laughs> well, yes, because admittedly um, at the time uh, I was kind of off and on dating someone else. And she was, you know, short, shortly after that started dating someone else. And so we tried to be, you know, respectful and, um, and to, you know, keep things at a distance. But, you know, we would just every now and then, every couple of months or so, we would just check in. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't anything, um, anything super serious or anything like that. But it just kind of went on. And then our relationship that we were in ended two and a half years later. <laughs> And I think, you know, for me, I was like, I got to see if something's here because why am I still talking, you know, to this, to this girl? Like, why do we, why do we keep in touch like this? And so long story short, um, and she lives, you know, was living in California at the time. I had just moved to North Carolina and um, so totally, literally opposite coast. I'm on the East coast. She's on the West coast of the United States. And um, so we started, um, we started talking, just kind of texting, led to a couple of phone calls. I, I was going to California for a thing. I asked her to dinner. She said no. <laughs> she said no because um, she was getting ready to move to the Middle East to be a missionary Whoops. For, cool. a, uh, for a time. Yeah. She moved to Jordan. She lived in Jordan for a while as a missionary. And um, so again, all that did was make me fall in love even more, you know? And so that didn't turn me off at all. And uh, so I prayed for her while she was there. And when she got back home, um, cause it was like a, you know, three or four month trip. Uh, we, that, we, we, we finally started FaceTiming, which led to uh, visiting in person. And um, that, that following December, we, uh, we got engaged, married the next May. So, yeah, I always say uh, thanks to, you know, um, Steve Jobs and um, Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah, they played quite a part in that, didn't they? So in the, in the old days, you'd have, you'd have been and gone and she'd have had no way to connect with you, if not for Facebook and that. So. That would have been it. Maybe I would have mustered up the courage to, uh, to say something that night uh, if it were the old days. But thankfully, it's not the old days and... Facebook and FaceTime. Um, yeah, I owe it all to Mark Zuckerberg and Steve Jobs. Sweet. 
Okay, that, that's a not that is a nice little story about the way that you can meet someone. It take quite a while in that case yeah. to actually get it going. But um, but congratulations to you both. I don't necessarily recommend it to everyone. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to be really upset if if my daughter tries to pull the same uh, yeah scenario. <laughs> Well, well, she's four, so that'd be really bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, you know, I got some time to, uh, you know, deter her from that. But it is our story, and it's an amazing story. So God is good. Yeah, I like it. Talking to some of the best names in contemporary Christian music. This is the Hope FM artist interview. You've mentioned how much you love the yeah. Bible. What's your What's the Bible character you most relate to uh, yourself? Um, I'm I'm gonna say David, and I think that people. I think the people who make music are like really, you know, apt to say David, but I won't say David because of the music thing. I'll say David because of, because of his struggles. <laughs> I, I'd say I'm like David because I wrestle with like being a man after God's own heart and being just utterly sinful at the same time. Um, I see like a humanity in David. I, I read David in the Psalms and I go, yeah, that's how I feel. A lot of times I feel really close to God. And then I either screw it up or I feel like life is just too heavy or I'm just doubting and wondering where God is or I'm just totally self-centered all in a matter of about 24 or 48 hours. Like I think just the humanity that we see in David and um, his struggles, and yet how, how you know, what, what made David a man after God's own heart was that, you know, he always appealed to the mercy of God. Like he always, even in his, you know, when, when he did sin against, um, when he did sin with Bathsheba, and when he did have her husband murdered, he repented. You know, there was resistance for a while, but then, but he repented. So I just love that. I think he's a man who was made because of his failures and shortcomings. And that's what makes me relate to him, not uh, his songwriting ability. Even That does, but that's not the primary thing. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 a, an added bonus of David. Yeah, yeah. And on top of that, yeah, he sang and wrote songs. And, oh, I do that too. That's beautiful. And danced. And, yeah, only David dances. I don't. You don't dance. Oh, there's a, there's a little challenge for you. Perhaps you perhaps you need to work on that skill because maybe God wants to release dance into your life. Maybe so. So I, I would be fine with you uh, praying that for me that He would release dancing into my life. I'd be great with that. I and and if you like, I could I could give you a lesson now, and you could. Um, it's, it's on video. No, no one at home would see it ever. <laughs> or it might. Yeah, this is being recorded. You never know. Yeah. I was going to say, is this just being video for you and me, or are people going to see this? Because I think that would be special. Yeah, with, with a little dancing moment. I, I, I. If you did dance, I think we probably would put it on uh, our website somewhere. So, um, <laughs> but we, we'll let you off on this occasion. So, um, what's what's the thing in your outside of music? What's the thing that you're most looking forward to uh, at the moment? Outside of music, well, I, I, I mean, there's two things. <laughs> My wife's gonna probably punch me for the first one, but football season is coming. American football season is coming american sorry 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 let me clarify <laughs> i apologize to all my european friends american football season is coming i'm a big sports fan big football fan so that's very exciting but more than that and my wife would punch me for even including that with what i'm about to say 
we as a family we're getting ready to uh adopt a baby wow and so yeah so like we're almost at the end of like the the process the paperwork the training the you know um to where we're like we'll actually be matched with a family and so that's probably gonna happen sometime in the next you know a few months or so we'll have a new baby so uh, adoption is amazing yeah. Oh, yeah where's your wife uh she is oh, maybe she's close by she's downstairs i think she's downstairs go and get your wife you want to say hi yeah okay i think i might have my kids too yay okay that'd be even better come here guys I want you to meet Mr. Gordon. Hey. Hi, how are you? Hi, nice to meet you. What's your name? Um, Mila. Mila. Mila, that's a great name. Where is your Where is your brother? Um, he's sitting out of fire. He's pretending to be a firefighter. Oh, he's, he's a firefighter right now, and he's very good. <laughs> I just, I, I heard your wife say, He's just putting out a fire. I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Not a real fire. <laughs> Not a real fire. No, no, that's cool. Yeah. This is our our crazy life, though. We love it. I told him we we're adding adding one more through adoption. He just prayed for us. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's amazing to do. So well done, all of you. And I, I'm sure it's yeah. going to be fun. We're off the air. Yeah, this is, not, this, is, this is not live or anything. You're all okay. It is being recorded, so you never know. We might snip bits of it in, but, but not officially. So anyway, I just, I just want to say it's been an honor talking to... It's been an honor talking to your daddy. He's really cool, isn't he? Is that really cool? Yeah. You know, it's really great when other people say that daddy's cool. That's, that's really good. Talking to some of the best names in contemporary Christian music. This is the Hope FM Artist Interview. So um, we haven't actually found out yet how you got to be doing music. Now, you've told me you're musically talented. You told me you'd been writing some songs um, and that you'd been singing and all the rest of it. But, but actually, music is, is your career. Music is, yeah. is what you're doing all the time. So, so you went to university. What do you study at university? So I, I did um, study music at university, but I ended with um, only minoring in music. So when I graduated, I only had a minor in music. So I'm not sure how that works in, in the UK in terms of principal study or majors, minors, things like that. But um, all that to say, a, a small part of my degree was music. The larger part of my degree was actually business, um, business and religious studies. So I kind of had a, a smorgasbord kind of uh, degree. I studied, I kind of went a few different routes in college <laughs> and I ended up with a degree that included business, religious studies and music, all of which are helpful because that's all, all three are a big part of my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that makes a lot of sense then. So at what point though did you realize that worship and also writing uh, contemporary Christian music songs was going to be what you wanted to do. So I, I was actually in high school. So um, that same junior year, um, so I, I was 17 years old, was a big year for me. And one of the reasons is because that, that's when I knew that I, that I needed to make music my career. And I had, you know, I had just begun writing songs and, you know, like I mentioned before, playing in, you know, a band with my friends and things like that. And I was in a, um, a writing class and um, the, our, our teacher had us, um, she, we, we were doing a, a project that she called a, the, our, a career project. So basically it was research these kind of areas of industry or, you know, areas of work, pick one that interests you 
And then C, because, you know, the time is coming where you might need to make some decisions about the direction of your life and things like that. So I kind of looked at the list that were, you know, <laughs> available topics to research and career fields, and none of them interested me. None of them. Um, nothing lit my fire at all. And, um, wow. and all I could think about was singing. All I could think about was, you know, I started thinking back that like, I've always been saying at every stage of my life, music has been important to me. And, you know, so I remember saying to my best friend, his name is Anthony. And I said, bro, dude, I think I want to be a singer. <laughs> He's like, and he looked back to me and he just kind of like looked at me like I was crazy. And he said, dude, you know, you like, you have to be really good to be a singer professionally. And, uh, and that kind of stuck with me. And he's not the reason that, you know, I've been motivated to do what I do, but I've never forgotten it. But that was kind of the moment for me that like, okay, challenge accepted, I guess, you know? So Anthony, if you're listening, it worked out. Credit to you, Anthony. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I, I'll never forget that moment. But I know that right around that time, it's like, I'm, I'm going to get serious about this. It's not just going to be something I do for fun. And so, you know, got saved that year and, you know, began... Then I began leading worship and understanding like that's a big thing that God had called me to do. I didn't realize it. Um, so get off to university and I'm just writing songs, writing songs, writing songs. I just have this passion to make, I'm taking opportunities, you know, as they, um, as they happen on, on campus and open mic nights and things like that. And, um, you know, things at a local church, I'm leading worship and writing original songs. And, you know, I'm sharing these original songs with people. And they're like, Hey, I think you got something. And it just kind of like snowballed from there. I put a band together in college. We began just traveling regionally and we ended up by the time my college career was over my, my, my career at university, we had traveled, I mean, places all over the country and we'd done two international trips. Um, leading worship. That's really how I started. My music career started with me, with me leading worship. And again, if you would have told me that when I was 16 years old, I would have told you you were crazy. Um, because I, I didn't know, I, I, I grew up in a small town in the South, but a very traditional church. And so I didn't know Christian music was a thing. I mean, obviously I knew that like praise choruses and hymns and things like that, but we didn't, we weren't a contemporary kind of church, you know? So sure. I literally, I grew up with Tupac and, you know, NSYNC and, you know, like uh, Eminem and, you know, like Outkast, all these R&B, you know, groups, Usher, like, you know, and then like, so I, I didn't know that Christian music was, was even out there. Yeah. I think a genre. I didn't know. I didn't know it was out there until I got saved, you know, so that was the end of my high school career. So then I kind of fell in love with that in college at university and um that's kind of how i positioned myself to you know to um to do lead worship and to travel and to do like that and after university i got a job here i'm still still there at this church uh leading worship and um it's a large church i was leading worship in my first year here i was leading worship for an event and uh, a man came up to me afterwards and was like I think you have something really special. I used to be uh, the front man of such and such bands in the early 2000s. And I've had multiple jobs in the music industry. And 
I want to help develop you. I, I, I want you to, and at the time I was, you know, kind of acting like an independent artist on my own anyway. And um, he's like, I want to manage you. And um, so he's still my manager today. And um, what was his name? <clears throat> his name is Sam Fisher. Yeah. Shout out, Sam. Well done. Good spot. Yeah. So Sam, all, all because of Sam, he, he kind of noticed, you know, the the gift that the, the gifts that God has given me and and has helped me develop them and you know all of my influences as a kid as I've explained were like in the pop world um you know from Michael Jackson Stevie Wonder some of the classics to NSYNC Justin Timberlake um even R&B and hip-hop like I've shared um and so when I kind of stepped away from doing congregational worship music as an artist that was, you know, what I knew and what I loved and what, you know, the way my voice, the tendencies of my voice, very pop. And so he developed me into a pop artist. And um, in 2015, we started meeting with some labels in Nashville, uh, Tennessee, and, you know, signed my first record deal at the end of uh, first part of 2016. And um, yeah, that's that's really the progression. It's, it's, I've got to say, a wonderful thing though to have been found by Sam and built up to where you are today. So, what what have you got planned, music wise, touring, yeah. anything? What's what's sort of the next twelve months, twenty four months got in store for Brandon Murphy? Yeah, the world, you know, is like was on the way. I think to or is on the way with like coming back to life and people are touring, you know, things like that. And now, like. COVID is kind of surging again and trying to figure that out. So there's not a whole lot of touring um, going on for me right now, at least, um, you know, some one-off shows and things like that. So I'm like putting my head down in the studio. Um, I've got music coming, um, music coming very, very soon, <laughs> as we might talk about in a moment. But um, there's like more music coming after that that I'm really, really excited about. And so I think this fall will be like me kind of solidifying like this next album and I'm um, getting it done. And, um, and then hopefully, you know, 2022 will be a, a big year for getting to people. And, um, you know, there's nothing like touring. There's nothing like being with the people. Um, that's why I do what I do. And so I'm looking forward to that happening again, hopefully as early as possible in 2022. When, when do you think you'll have your album out? Ah, that's such a great question. I wish you could tell me, Gordon. I want, I need you to tell me when that <laughs> done. We're, I, I, I think like, I really think we're pretty close. I would say maybe half the songs are done. So, you know, this is what art, I mean, it, it can be done a few different ways, but you know, some artists like they go into the studio or they take a season and they're writing for the album. That's everything that they're doing. Other artists just write all the time. And then they start realizing, oh, this this could work and this could work. And this song from this from last year and this song from March and this song, this and this and this could work together as an album. That's really kind of how I'm like, a, I write all the time. <laughs> and so um, I think I have enough to pull from right now. I'm pretty confident that probably half the album is done. So then I'll just focus on writing the rest. I wouldn't, I wouldn't think by like the end of the year, it'll, it'll be done. Okay. Okay. So that's, that's, that's my hope. We might, we might, we might hear it sometime, sometime in the new year. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. That's good news. Um, you, you talked about the fact your wife connects with you via the internet for listeners, not who want to stalk you, but who want to, to connect with you, see what's going on, keep, keep up with your news. 
yeah. what platforms are you on what's your website address and things like that yeah of course um so it's at brandon murphy b-r-a-n-a-n murphy really on everything um instagram twitter facebook tiktok uh, i use instagram more than anything else but yeah i'd love to connect so we, we've got we got one more track to play from you better king tell us a bit about just say it's a really great track i really like it so tell us a bit about Be- better king yeah thank you um you know it, it really comes down to like one simple thought that like kind of birthed this whole song it's that i'm i'm a terrible king for myself uh i'm i'm a terrible king for me and you're a terrible king for you <laughs> thank you you know everyone every, everyone is <laughs> everyone is and that's really like that just self-realization a lot of my songs are like just you know deep self-evaluation and realization you know and so um you know when i when i try to be in control or when i try to plan things out and position myself and my own you know living by my own motivations and with my own like I, it just um it rarely ends up going well <laughs> and so you know there's just amazing how much freedom you find when you surrender and so this is really like you know i also just live such a fast-paced life you know that's part of like being a musician and artist and traveling doing this thing i feel like i'm in and out of airports it's so easy for like everything about myself my family like our existence to like center around me and um as if i'm the king to be served and that's not that's not what god intended god never intended for our hearts to deal with that kind of attention <laughs> and so it's like recalibrating centering my life around jesus really gives me like the freedom that i always you know that i've always craved you know is understanding he's he's just a better king for me than i am and, and always will be because you're a better king than i could ever be And that was Better King by the wonderful Brannon Murphy. And thank you so much to Brannon for sparing time with us today to be on the Artist Interview on Hope FM. And there are many other episodes that you can enjoy by simply going along to our podcast, either on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts, and just search for The Artist Interview. Loads of great artists, loads of great stories. Uh, Wherever you are, stay blessed. I hope you enjoy them. Bye-bye. Talking to some of the best names in contemporary Christian music. This is the Hope FM Artist Interview.